recording so oh it's shit oh. let's go let's roll alright um, what, a, what a great start <laughs> uh, I don't survival know. mode how uh, I'm, well, in, I'm in airplane mode well uh, welcome <laughs> back <laughs> I'm conserving battery <laughs> well, welcome to the pod um, welcome to the Age Boxing Podcast that's what I do there it? you go Yeah. Uh, no, with me Andy White and uh, Martin Theobald <laughs> Uh, just Terry today. Just <laughs> yeah, no singing to start with. Nah, no. <laughs> Twelve hours of drinking will do that to a man. Twelve. Twelve. Ten ten between hours. us, we did ten plus two hours of drinking over a day. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. No. All right. no, 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 no. Between no. me and Terry, we 30, did twenty-four. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole day. <laughs> You're not claiming twelve hours. I had a meal in between it. Unbelievable. I, I was drinking though. Not not while you were singing. You weren't. <laughs> For reference, we've been out to see Andy's band yesterday, and uh, good band, Twisted good band. Echo. Get on them, get on them. Yeah, thanks. Album in stores, January 2018. And knowing what I know about these guys' uh, ability to give scathing reviews, I'll, I'll, I'll take that with no. Uh, we're we're only embrace. giving compliments. We like them. Nice bunch of people as well. Good to drink with. Right, so we have a very hungover three of us today, um, or at the very least, I think we escaped the worst kind of the hangover. I'm not didn't that we? bad. Yeah, we're we're fine. It's more just the, the cliff is on its way. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. it'll peter off. So I guess we talk about Williams versus Smith. But hold on, hold on. You know, you know, everyone's going to ask if they're drinking for twelve hours. What the fuck do they know about boxing today? And that's a fair question. <laughs> that is a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> I have no issue with that question. I have this morning got because for reference, like my wife and kids are out of the country. I'm still on kid time, so like I woke up this morning at half seven anyway, uh, and so sat and watched the uh, the Smith and Williams fight and the Flanagan and Petrov fights this morning. So uh, I have some reference point. Yeah. What do we make of it? What do we make of it? Um, This is where it's going. I'm not going to edit this. No, don't bother, man. uh, We need every second count. We're going to be lucky to make this half hour. Even those like breaks in the middle, (laughs) right? I'll keep them in just because it will pad it out a bit more. Um, Yeah, so Liam Smith, right. I have to be a little bit careful about what I say here, really, because I've got some shoots to do during the week, yeah. Um, So, Terry, you talk about it first, (laughs) and then I'll pad it out at the end. Um, so I have seen the fight. Um, you know, there's, it was originally for a world title. This was a British title level fight. At best, you have two guys who, one's game but limited, one's talented but limited. Essentially, it's a ball fest of a fight. But, you know, I think everyone will remember this. And if you can find it on YouTube, watch the headbutt Liam Smith puts on Liam Williams. It's unbelievable. It's and not an accident, is it? Like, no. I'm not having that. He, he's just led with the head. You can see the frustration because, you know, he's being made to look stupid in there by Liam Williams. And all Williams did, and I'm going to give Williams credit, is 
he did what what experienced boxers do. So I don't think it's illegal to use your forearm to engineer space, but he kept doing that to Liam Smith, which was annoying him because, you know, Gallagher fighters just want you to stand there so they could just hit you. And every time Liam Smith would come in to do some work to the body, all you'd see is, you know, Williams would just dip, put the forearm in, create some space and work again. Um, I thought Gary Lockett got his tactics spot on, used a lot of the jab. Liam Smith didn't have... You know, he didn't have an answer to it. And once again, Genius Joe has proved that, you know, world level is not his game. I think, um, I don't know, it's a hard, it is a British title fight, isn't it? That's what it is. Like, they can glam it up by going to Barcelona uh, all they want and, like, trying to make it into a world title fight that never came about because of the weight issues. It was a British title fight. And that's how it ended up. Like there was no title in the in the end, was there? Because the British title wasn't on the line, and Liam Smith missed weight for the uh, the WBO world title. So I haven't I haven't really seen many of the interviews, so I'm still struggling to understand how bad the cut was that Lockett pulled him out. So I don't know if it was that he was actually dazed by the headbutt, and it was it was a horrible headbutt. Um, if if Liam Smith escaped censure from the board for that, then I mean that's a that's a stain on the character of boxing. He won't get done for that. That'd be my guess. He's not getting done for that. It'll be class as an accident. This was absolutely disgusting. Um, but once again, we're seeing the Gallagher Empire collapse, as we have predicted on this podcast for God knows how long. Eventually, people just realised, don't expend any energy. Just keep the jab in their face. They can't really move laterally. They can't slip. And all it is is just hands up until they get in range. Whereas and- I think Joe Gallagher is the best coach in the country, bar none, ever. He's amazing. Ever said with such, I have to see him. <laughs> <laughs> and I can see in your eyes it's genuine. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, it was an all right fight though. I enjoyed it. It was. I, I, uh, I like. Okay. I like Williams as a bully. Actually, I liked him in there bullying Liam Smith about. As a, you know, and if I'm Callum Smith now, I'm quite worried about who I fight next because you, you look at it going. I don't know if Gallagher's really got that world level credibility. I heard rumours that Smith's um, sacking off the Durrell fight and going to go and try and fight James DeGale. Which is the worst of all possible worlds for him because, you know, DeGale is that kind of horrible, gnarly, you know, despite, I know people like to think of DeGale as being a bit thick, but in the ring, he's, he's he, he is the ultimate ring intellectual and he can be a bully in there as well. So I think that would be tough for him. But Liam he'll Smith. make money out of it. Because, uh, I mean, the Callum Smith uh, Durrell fight, there's no money in that. And it's in a, like, because they lost the purse bid, he'd have to go out uh, to a real shitty part of America as well. I can't remember where it was, but it's not like, it's not a Vegas fight. Yeah, two below Mississippi or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. It's not like the boardwalks or anything like that. It's a real dive of a place where I think, um, I can't remember I heard, like, the place it is, they've not been able to drink the tap water for like five years. Oh, is it Flint, Flint, Michigan or anything like that? Might be, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, isn't that where the Durrells are from? Yeah, because that's where the yeah. Durrells are from. Yeah. Because um, what was the person? 1.6 mil. So and, that's where Hearn's, and it was the 50 That's where Hearn's sending his fire. <laughs> well done, Eddie. <laughs> um, so, right, yeah, Smith Williams. It was all right. It, it wasn't the cracker that they built it to be. But then it's a Frank Warren card. Frank Warren card's always going to disappoint because of a little bit of shit. Fuck off. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm cleaning up, Frank. I, I quite like this card, actually. <laughs> You know, I, I I genuinely like this card. Um, in Smith, you haven't watched Flanagan Petrov. 
And that's all bits of it. You uh, can't like the card without having to sit through 12 rounds. Terry Flanagan is the least relevant world champion in this country, apart from Lee Haskins. <laughs> well, the thing about, look, Defend that. Defend no, that. So, so you watch Flanagan. You should. And he lacks power. That's that's Flanagan's only problem. He lacks yeah. power. So so he can, he can never make a fight interesting because he can't engage. It's he's, too risky. He's not shit, to be fair. I, I say it facetiously and hung overly. Yeah. Um, he's just not interested. And I, that's the difference. Is that like... There's in the last fortnight, the one thing that's happened is that Anthony Crawler versus Terry Flanagan has lost eighty percent of his income, of his revenue, because that fight is not relevant anymore no. to either side. Um, like Terry Flanagan is just what's the point of him being a world champion? I know he's got to take that petrol fight because it's mandatory for the WBO, but it's irrelevant. Like he's irrelevant right now. Like, in the lightweight scene, he needs to take a decent fight. And the problem you've got with all these Frank Warren world champions is that the big fight is always around the corner. And so it's the same for Billy Joe Saunders. That big fight, you know, the Golovkin, the Canelo fight. Oh, it's going to be next. It's going to be next. And it never comes about. And that's the same... The only one he's ever come off with, Liam Smith, when he gets shipped out to fucking America to go and get beaten up by Canelo. Um, But aside from that, like, no Frank Warren champion has been in a relevant fight for a long time. Um, but but has he, he's got to do two mandatories. I think the WBO said you got to do Petrov, and then you got to do your next mandatory. But after drop that. the title. This would be my view. Is drop the because that title. But was then he's irrelevant. Then he he's really irrelevant is already. But he at has least a belt. you, you but, could go and take a decent fight if you drop that title. You could go and take the Mikey Garcia fight. You could take any fight at all. He could have gone for Linares a long time back, but he's holding on to that terrible WBO belt, the absolute corruption of it. Um. Why? Like, what? What is in it for him holding on to that belt? Four rounders in Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> the big fights. Um, but no, like, what is the point in that belt? Because it's ruining his career. Well, quick question: Does anyone know what Liam Smith weighed in at for for that fight in Barcelona? Uh, Gallagher reckoned it was like one five eight. So, because I had a theory about this when I saw what happened, and I had a theory that actually that fight was the worst thing he could have done. Because <laughs> the thing is. After you make weight, your body gets into that kind of starvation reflex of, shit, um, I don't want that to happen again, so I'm going to hoard everything, because I don't want to starve myself again. So he's had to go through making weight twice. It wasn't championship weight for that fight. But, but even if you, like, he probably, he's probably gone down to 158 and gone, I can just make the other four pounds, and his yeah. body's just been like, no, <laughs> no, you know the rules with this, 12 weeks minimum, yeah, and he's screwed up, so... I love the, uh, there was the interview with Joe Gallagher after the weigh-in where he was like, you know, he was saying basically we didn't, we were told that we had one hour to lose one and a half, two pounds. Um, and so they, but he was one and a half, two pounds over uh, the weigh-in limit. And he says they were given an hour to lose that weight. And Liam Smith says like, that's too dangerous. I can't lose that in an hour. You should have lost it in the last three months, man. If you're brave, <laughs> do, you, do you know what? Do you know what? No, no, just shave your head or something, man. For fucking hell, do something. Show, you know what I mean, be professional. But look, the Gallagher Empire is collapsing, and this podcast will be your exclusive source of Gallagher collapse stories, right? And anyone who's in Liverpool on Tuesday, <laughs> feel free to, you know, remember that this is not the Seven Walls podcast. This is a New Age boxing podcast. <laughs> By now, I, I, it's taking us down from the inside. <laughs> I'm a Trojan horse. Get filled in. <laughs> Do you know what, mate? 
<laughs> Who's he going to send in? You'll be nervous when all the Smith brothers walk in with their hands up. <laughs> I'm just going to put the scales down. Then it won't happen. Have we said everything? No, no. no. So, 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 <laughs> right, okay. so Daniel Dubois makes his debut. Um, no, I wasn't. Yeah, okay. Well, that's what I was moving on to. Yeah, okay, okay fine. Okay. Triple D. Dangerous Daniel Dubois. Um, most listeners know where they first heard of him because no one knew who he was. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he is. Um, for anyone who did see the fight, I think he, he in, in the 30 seconds it lasted, what you saw was a guy who can actually box. You saw a big man who can actually box. And punch. Yeah, footwork is awesome. Um, how often do you see these? Apart from Shannon Briggs, you know, not many people really double up well with the left hook to the body and the head. And he did that, took him out. I, I know people say he was he was a fat pudding and, you know, he was an embarrassment. You know, who was this guy? Where did they scrape him up from? Shouldn't he be doing the bins the and review, all that sort of review, stuff? That's what they all said. <laughs> the review said he should have been part of a national obesity campaign. <laughs> they were meant to have yeah. David Howe, weren't they? The guy who uh, took David Allen a few rounds. But, but the question it I have for people... It was embarrassing. But, but then I say to people, look, you've got a 19-year-old guy fighting in the heavyweight division. Is that what he is, 19? 19 going on 20, yeah, he's young. Fuck about. He's not... He's... He looks about 30. <laughs> Jesus, how hard is this paper round? <laughs> paper round in Beirut or something like that. Wow. So, so, yeah, so he's a 19-year-old. And you have to feed him these sorts of guys just so he gets used to being a pro. How many amateurs do you have? It's, so that's a tricky one. Like, he's... Officially. He's boxed since he was about 11. Right. And so he's been in and out the scene at various points. So I couldn't tell you how many bouts he's had in total. But remember, he was he was GB's choice to to head into Tokyo 2020. You know, um, Over Joe Joyce. By 2020, he'd be beating Joe Joyce. And, um, and he'd be beating Fraser Clark. Yeah. I think, I think it's generally accepted he was the brightest super heavyweight talent, not called Courtney Bennett or John Pilata. No <laughs> bias at all. Um... But no, footwork looked good. That's really what I wanted to see from him was, can he show that poise, that footwork? Is he thinking in the ring? The answer to all of those is yes. And it points back to what I said before. There are boxers who have boxed up the weights and they look completely different to big lumps who have just been taught to box. And he looks like he's boxed up the weights. I got a question in from James Lupton. Who uh, oh, yeah. asked... All right, James. Stop interviewing guys until they've signed pro contracts. <laughs> Leave Courtney alone. Uh, last night's cut issue. Uh, technical decision can only come into play if the ref and doctor stop it. Lockett pulled Williams last night while ahead. Could Lockett not get the ref to look at the cut between rounds for this technical decision to come into play? Well, good question. the ref would have to... Oh, well, oh, sorry, technical decision... Does it matter if it's accidental or deliberate? I don't imagine it does, does it? Uh, no, just a head clash. It's not deemed one or the other. My, my sense was, I think Lockie just looked at his guy and went, he's out of it. I, I think there was something in that head, but that dazed. I was going to say it was dazed. It was... Or, or they would have just let it carry on. How many rounds? Two and a half, three rounds? Yeah, yeah he, he could have seen out the fight. I don't doubt that for a second had he been fully fit. But he looked like he was rattled. Like Whether it was dazed, concussed, I don't know. But Gary clearly saw something that said we're stopping it. And but actually, is he a bit gunshine after the Nick Blackwell thing? You know, got to wonder. Oh, it's a good question though. Because he's, he got, maybe he got a lot of stick for maybe. letting Blackwell carry on when he didn't need to. 
plus like yeah. let let's yeah. look. We're not gonna we're not gonna muddy the water with this, but he Dale Evans is coach as well, and Dale yeah. Evans was the man on the other end of Mike Tout. Ah, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, rest in peace indeed. Um, so has that all, you know, haunted Gary Lockett a little bit? Perhaps it's got to have an effect it's on your psyche, it's hasn't like, it? Consciously or subconsciously, you're going to be affected by that. It's going to make you judge situations differently, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but, you know, let's, let's not dwell on that, Williams. Hopefully those guys rematch. And I think it's probably the only place... Unless you do it for a British title. Yeah. It's not agreed. fuck about with well, WBO. I have a question about the, the, the headbutt thing and all that sort of stuff. I remember playing Fight Night on my PlayStation You could always ago, press the cheat button. And it was almost like you could get away with two headbutts and two low blows that take loads of energy off them and then it was like right if you do any more you're going to get disqualified yeah. <laughs> in boxing it's like has so ha, is there precedent for people that have used this to their advantage because it just seems to me that uh, you can sort of the, the, at least in the real world you could maybe get away with it Evander Holyfield I was going to say Mike right. Tyson famed to use the uh, ear bite got away with it once yeah. and I don't then went back button. again yeah <laughs> I don't remember that button on the. He uh, found you know like you know when you used to press like square triangle square triangle circle 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 like if you did that enough time <laughs> you'd unlock the ear bite from my touch. chewing on his ear yeah. <laughs> You have unlocked Rottweiler mode. <laughs> but Mike Tyson bit him once and then the ref like separates him and Holyfield complains about it and then he goes in and does it again. Did he actually get your ear? No. Well, let him get your ear. Stop <laughs> Um, that, that was a great fight because you remember what was it <laughs> Tyson's manager I think a guy called John Horn and you know it's John Horn he was the guy in the white suit with about 32 buttons up <laughs> and he was like Holyfield could have carried on he's just being a big sissy in there it's not fair Mike's got to feed his kids <laughs> and he's crying he's literally just crying <laughs> going that is nothing but a bitch and Don King's like you might need to shut up <laughs> Oh, that, I just remember that piece of ear on the canvas. Ah, <laughs> it's bristle. So bristle. Um, um, yeah, so, but, but has there has there been people that have... Like, can you get away with a headbutt or a low blow, And generally so, speaking? So or? normally what happens is, in boxing, you equalise it. So if someone catches you with a low blow, the ref will kind of pull everyone up. And you know in that first exchange, the guy's going to reply straight back. And the ref will just be like, all right, one all, cool, carry on. And it's the same with a bit of head work. If both guys know how to use their head, one might headbutt one guy, and then boom, I'll let you know that, you know what, I can do it too. Let's both calm down. Yeah, I mean, you often see it like when they're in close. It's the kind of thing you don't necessarily see unless you're close to the ring. Like the amount of times the heads just come together and you'll rub your head into the opponent. Especially if you get like an accidental clash of heads. Like Liam Smith would have been aiming last night when that clash of heads happened, slash headbutt, whatever you want to call it. To then, like, his game plan from that point on would clearly have been, like, getting as close as possible and just rub your head into that man's cut. And just make it horrible and uncomfortable. Make it as horrible as you can. Gosh. And that's what you do. Yeah. You know? And in the old days, like, they'd find ways of getting stuff like deep heat between the rounds and you go back in there. Yeah. And just make it horrible. uh, Vaseline. Yeah. It's horrible. Hmm. (laughs) And then, do we need to touch on Nicola Adams as well? Right, yeah, that's the one I wanted to go to. He's, He's on it today. No, man. Well, wait till four o'clock and I just crash. Yeah. Oh, you just had a massive can of monster. That's why you're leaping about mentally. I'm just urging to shit. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, well, once this is all done, <laughs> mate, apologies in advance for your, to your toilet, but it's going to get oh, very serious. God, for God's sake. Drop a bar mine in my toilet. Right. 
Well, I, I thought that was Are you some... sure we're not editing any of this? Right? No, no I don't it's think gonna so. be peaty. You know, to. you know, they're like a block of peat in your toilet. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I actually thought that was gonna be some euphemism for something. No, actually talking about dumping his load down my. <sighs> Sorry. Right. Man. So, <sighs> if no. I was going to edit it, then I'd pause it here, edit it, and then I'd say, "So Nicola Adams also fought last night." <laughs> what do you think to that, Terry? I'm a big fan of women making a living from boxing and earning good money. Um, I think it's time, but it's all being done wrong. And I think the Nicola Adams fight yesterday is another example. You know, you've, you've stuck it in with the lady that was serving us drinks in all bar one yesterday. <laughs> you know, knocked off at five, went down, got, me, got her face punched in, came back, served us more drinks. Happy days, not a mark on her face. Um, and... You know, when Richie Woodall is saying you need more power, then I don't know where you're going to go. Can we uh, re-edit the other week's podcast and just like cut in the bit about Richie Woodall being a shit commentator and just paste it into here? Because I can't stand the man. Yes. And I can't give him the oxygen to go on about it now. <laughs> I mean, I could do that. I'm not going but, to. But, but, but look. I think, law listeners, you know that Richie Woodall is... How does he get a job? He's a on waste, every channel. Channel 5. Do you know what? ITV. Honestly, honestly, it's a Richie Woodall CD. Yeah, and if you start, if you sync it up at the right time, look at him, he's holding his feet. I'm sure, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure during the Nicola Adams fight, he was like, look, he's holding his feet. <laughs> but they, they sacked Barry Jones off for the night. Who knows his stuff? Their first show on BT, and Barry Jones, who's been like loyal commentator, former WBO super featherweight champion, knows his stuff, great commentator, and he's got a great uh, patter about him. He's got charisma. Get rid of him, then. So you get rid of him, and you bring in the guy that's recycled from ITV, from Channel 5. Um, and you make bring... it fresh. He's terrible. Like, <laughs> let Barry Jones have a go. Little Welsh man, love him. <laughs> I'm not having this Richie Woodall bollocks but no so we're all excited to see what Nicola Adams would do on a pro debut all this bollocks by I am been training with Virgil Hunter you know it just came out and it was underwhelming yes we know you're an amateur boxer so you've got a jab well done that's what we saw in the amateurs like you didn't see us sitting down digging vicious shots in Give Katie Taylor her due. At least Katie's trying to rip those shots in. I've got an interesting one for you, Ted. I don't know if you listened to Steve Bunt and Mike Costello. Yeah, uh, I do. The yeah. Radio I, 5 I podcast. To, yeah. Brilliant. Right, so they were chatting about Katie Taylor last week. Um, and it contravened what you were saying. I was thinking when I was listening to it, I need to bring this up when we record. Was this the the women's boxing Yeah, so they like... were saying about Katie Taylor fights like an idiot like at the moment. And they were saying the same thing when Amir Khan turned over. That like he was trying too hard to transition from amateur to like heavy hitting pro. And Katie Taylor ought to sit on what she knows and like just box like she did in the amateurs. Whereas you were saying last week about what they need to do is make it exciting. Like, don't do what you did in the amateurs. Yeah, but, but the problem, those, 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 because you can sit there, like, if, if I, if I have my coach's head on, I want it to be super technical. Yeah. But I'm a boxing fan. So what I really want is, I want, well, number one, let's, let's start and be realistic. Let's make the rounds three minutes. Yeah. Right? It gives, it gives the established pros an advantage because they can go, look, I can pace myself, give Katie the first round, the middle might, the first minute, the middle minute might be even, I can come through at the end. Those sorts of things. But, Look, why do we watch boxing? We watch boxing because we want highlights. No one, you know, do you really want someone to show you that they're a competent boxer? No, you don't. 
you want highlights. So I want to see Casey Taylor throwing a hook to the body, an uppercut to the chin, and lifting someone off the ground. Well, this is another thing they said. They said that women's boxing is always going to struggle whilst it's compared to men's boxing. It needs to find almost like its own USP. What what could that be if it wasn't power and knockout ability? What could what could women's boxing offer? Swimsuits. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm joking. Oh, I'm, I'm joking. Um, no, look. We said this before. If they want women's boxing to take off as a standalone sport, you need all female crowds. And what I mean by that is you've got to sell the sport to women. Guys aren't going to go and watch Nicola Adams because deep down we'll look at Nicola Adams going, if I hit you, I'd knock you out. So where's the where's the wow factor for me? I'm watching someone I could knock out. Great. Whereas if I'm watching someone like uh, Terry Flanagan, I'm like, no, nah, I don't know if I could knock him out. And that's the problem. So you have to almost say, look, get the ladies engaged, get the ladies involved. But when you speak to women about boxing, they want to see guys like AJ. Because boxing is one of these, it's, it's about the hero factor. That's why the big men get paid the most money. The biggest and the baddest will always get the most money and it's cascades downwards. Yeah, I think I, I think I'd struggle with, I mean, women's boxing is okay. I don't have anything necessarily against it. Certainly not because they're women. Frankly, I feel the same way as I do about the lighter weights. It just doesn't have that. I think what you're getting at is the risk factor. The, the, almost like the fear. You think, when I watch, uh, like I was saying to you guys last night, I was watching the uh, George Foreman, Evander Holyfield um, highlight reel. And the bombs they were thrown at each other and still standing there like two bears. I thought to myself... <laughs> Like I just, could, I would be, uh, I'd be on the canvas before you know. One. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't I? I literally have the amount of time that it would take one of them to cross the ring <laughs> to get to me. But they're just such machines that it's, it puts it puts you in awe. Whereas I find yeah. it harder. And the last person on a lightweight for me to feel like that was Lenares. Like recently, Lenares gave me that wow factor just because he was so spiteful and vicious. It's very rare that I, see, I have that sort of feeling of awe with anyone see, other yeah. than the larger fighters. I've, watched, I've only seen the highlights. I haven't watched all of it. The Lomachenko-Sosa fight from last night. But Lomachenko is a man who's managed to... What is he now? Ten fights in? Three-weight world champion at ten fights. That's <laughs> right. Um, but he, like, for somebody who transitioned from, what, 350 amateur fights uh, and was a very classy technical boxer... I challenge that number. Because I was, I was looking, and I was like, well, hold on. The guy won the Olympics in 2008, right? And he won it in 2012 as well. When was he having a, like, like a fight a week? Well, probably from childhood, isn't it? Well, it, I just don't... Do you know what? I, I, I just think over there they just count everything. Yeah, you sparred this kid from another gym, that's a fight. Yeah. That's what I... Because they, they always tout this number, and then in your head you're trying to work out Okay, if you box for 10 years, you'd have to fight about 30-something times a year. <laughs> then it tails off as you become more senior because it's harder to get the belt unless you're just fighting you know, Romanian cab drivers. <laughs> There's not enough Romanian and Hungarian taxi drivers in the world to compete on all these fights. There's like a factory. I swear there's a factory. <laughs> I'm not sure anyone drives They're made they in China. Cabs. They can't possibly drive cabs. They're too busy getting knocked out in boxing rings. Like, why the... F You're in Romania. Like, why the fuck can't I get a taxi? And every time I do get one, the prize got brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but look... Um, but yeah, check out Lomachenko Sosa. What I was coming back to is like a man who started off uh, a very technical 
And I think many probably feared after his first couple of fights, certainly after the Salido fight, when he got, like... Uh, bullied. Uh, yeah, bullied. You know, a boxer <clears throat> beat him. A fighter beat him at boxing. Uh, I think people feared then that perhaps Lomachenko wouldn't be able to, you know, really transition over. But 10 fights in, he's now a spiteful puncher. He's so evasive. Like, he's Pernell Whitaker in 2016. But, like, oh, 2017 win now, of course. Um, but his ability to, like, not be there. <laughs> if you go, just the highlights I saw from it last night, you'll find there's highlight packages um, all over the place of Lomachenko. Well, like, if you've never seen them, you go and find them, like, two-minute little clip videos. And I know it's only highlighting the very best of it, but, like, uh, he's like something out of the Matrix. Yeah. Like, honestly, it's so bizarre. His ability to throw a punch from an angle and then not be there when the punch is returned. And he's gone off to another angle and another angle. Just continually, it's so amazing. He's started to, to properly plant his feet now, like... See, brilliant. Plant his feet. Good woodallism. Good wood. <laughs> I've been woodled. <laughs> no, because I was, so I watched it and I was tracking. And what here's the difference: like Lomachenko will make about two hundred to two hundred twenty effective moves in a round. So an effective move is anything that enhances your case in the fight. Sosa was in about probably one hundred fifty, hundred forty, hundred fifty. So you add that up round after round. Lomachenko's just doing more. You know, he's never there to be hit. You know, he made Sosa look pedestrian and Sosa made Stephen Smith look pedestrian. <laughs> so that, that shows you how far, you know, you 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 are looking at... He's different class. But but the thing, I, the thing is, I look at that and I go, oh, what are these coaches telling their fighters? Because everyone knows what's going to happen. Lomachenko does his most damage when he's going from centre to right. That's where he does all of his damage. He'll come left every so often just to confuse you, but he'll always move out to his right. Why people aren't just moving to the left and throwing left hooks just to disrupt him, I don't know. It's almost like they don't believe he's as good as he is. And yeah. no one's showing him that respect. And they're paying a heavy price. So I say, get Lomachenko in with someone like Tevin Farmer, who occupy the same space as he does. And then let's see what happens when the target's not there to be hit. Well, they're talking now about him stepping up to lightweight, aren't they? Because they're to talking about he wants um, Terry Flanagan. Yeah, Flanagan, Garcia. It's a, it's a different chance because Lomachenko's not a big man. So he he will then be dealing with guys who effectively, like Garcia, are boiling down from 140. And that takes a different toll on the body. So you can be as evasive as you want, but that guy doesn't have to hit you as many times as you have to hit him. Can't we just get the Rigondo fight? Come on. I, I, I don't think Lomachenko can boil down to 126. Nah, Rigondo can just run up to like featherweight, super featherweight. Because <sighs> what, what else are you going to do? No one gives a fuck about Rigondo now. He might fight Frampton, but I don't think there's any money in that one. Let him fight quick. Let him fight quick. <laughs> yeah, but that's not hard though. All Rigondo has to do is just literally nick his box of crayons. <laughs> but Quig's Don't fighting. forget Tuesday. All of this will be <laughs> discussed on Tuesday. <laughs> Quig's fighting on the world's worst undercard though. Oh no, let's come into that later. Yeah, any dickhead that's bought a ticket for that. Andy Joshua <clears throat> fight. Anyone who's been rehearsing Sweet Caroline. All free from their... desire. Free from desire. My intense is purified. Free from desire. I'll be taking part. I didn't know that in... was Andy or Martin singing that. I'll take part. I'll take part. <laughs> You're in the band. All these things. I'm going to... Um, Andy will be there. Do the whole Sweet Caroline thing. You'll Facebook Live it as well. I know what you're like. Well, I will, obviously, to piss you off. I'm going to block you for the night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I'm blocking it's you. It's mine. Oh, no, no, no. I know why. Um... 
Right, so a question. Yeah, like a question um, from me, essentially. Um, after we've been spoken, uh, after we'd spoken last night, just general chit chat, I wanted to know what you feel is the definitive difference between what makes a boxer British class, European class, world class, and is there is there is there definitive differences between each one, or can you you know? Well, okay, just answer from so. There, so, if if you look at all all the guys who go on to do something special in the sport, they were normally special from a young age. Um, start with the heavyweights. Ali was special from a young age. Frazier special from a young age. Although I think Joe Frazier got into the Olympic squad because someone was injured, but once he was in, he I mean he he dealt with it. Foreman sixty eight Olympics was special, and he was only what nineteen. So. You, you get those guys, Mayweather, special from a young age. Pacquiao, special from a young age. De La Hoya, special from a young age. That's the key thing. So, if you're the best of your of your year group or whatever, your peer group, chances are you're going to be fighting those guys anyway further down the line. So, you've got guys like Mayweather's peers at that time were guys like Augie Sanchez, who Nassim Hamid dealt with. But Augie Sanchez was who he had to fight for his Olympic qualification spot. These are all talented guys who went on to do something in the sport. And then when you look at what they had, normally, the key thing that separates people, I think, is work ethic. Then there's a layer above that that says, what setup are you in? If you're in the wrong setup, you're screwed. So you look at Mayweather. Mayweather was trained by his dad, who was a pro boxer and a slick stylist. Roger Mayweather, who was a really tough offensive fighter, probably took more shots than he needed to. And then you had Jeff. the price now as well, isn't he? Unfortunately. And then Jeff, who was another pro and actually sparred with Floyd in his early years. So, right. so that setup is pretty solid. And that's what if that's what you grow up into, you already have those advantages. Calzaghi, from a young age, his dad worked him. You know, his dad didn't know much about boxing, but he had his own philosophy, which he drilled into his son. And, you know, that that was Joe's career. One of the very few father sons that works. I yes. see many that don't. Yeah, Guerrero, Garcia. Lower level as well. He ran like a chicken. <laughs> ran like a chicken, Holmes. <laughs> ran like a chicken. Daddy Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's Guerrero's dad. Remember when he fought Floyd? Yeah, no, but Angel Garcia, I'm thinking. When he fucking used the end bottle da- on Keith Thurman. <laughs> Daddy will fuck you up. He'll fuck you up. Unbelievably, he called Keith Thurman the N-word. Like... You're a fifty odd year old white dude. You should not be. You should be wow. doing it in general. But and, like, and they let him get away with it. Nobody did anything about it. Yeah, appalling. That man's a racist prick. <laughs> Fuck it. But, but but yeah. So the, so the, so there are many things, Martin. But normally when you're looking for no Martin Andy. Normally when you're looking for greatness, you're looking for you have to have done it from an early age because that shows you've got years already before you're an adult, and that's when you really learn. Then you need that right setup. So you need to be in the right environment. You know, what would Callum Smith do if he trained with Virgil Hunter? Don't know. Probably a lot more than he's doing with Joe Gallagher. And then there comes a point where you need those differentiators. Do you have a superior jab? Do you have superior power? And if you're in the top 1% for something, chances are you'll you'll find a way to mitigate all the other risks and then you become world class. So that naturally leads me to ask you... um... Like I realise if I asked you for the worst world champion ever, it's a pretty non-entity question. But um, because, you, you, you know, the way that 
the boxing authorities are, someone's been basically given. I mean, like someone like Charles Meyer, for example, has been given. Yeah, go on, Charles. Walk this up like a god. But who would you say was the least sort of like natural, naturally talented boxer that has just through sheer hard work as as established himself as a, a legitimate world champion that you can think of? Has there been one? Not particularly like someone like, for example, the the boxing equivalent of someone like Gary Neville had absolutely no footballing talent. Just ground his way through the maybe, maybe, maybe someone like 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 Adonis Stevenson where where Stevenson's kind of plodded along you know and and there's nothing spectacular about him apart from he's just a strong man he's a strong man who can make 175 when he should really be a cruiserweight that's what Adonis Stevenson is there's no real finesse to what he does he just goes I'm going to catch you at some point and he's built a whole career on that let's not forget Froch avoided him for a year and a half because it wasn't worth the risk for the reward. And Stevenson probably would have starched Froch. If Groves can do it, I guarantee Stevenson could. So someone like that. But Anthony Crawler, we discussed him before, you know, his yeah. background. Like, he's come from small halls. He was fighting on prize fight. He wasn't really relevant to anything at all. Fighting on prize fight, losing to Derry Matthews for British title in what was like a fight of the year candidate. But went, you know, tooth and nail to the death with, uh, with Derry Matthews. Anthony Crawler should never really, again, based upon what his his boxing talent was at that point, he shouldn't have been a world champion. But he managed it through graft and uh, magic. <laughs> magic. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Just... No, because what happens is when you get hit over the head, it makes you a lot better because you get that time out of the sport and you can't do anything. As Spencer would say... <laughs> Spencer would say you can just watch the you can just watch videos and that makes you better. Yeah, yeah, you just visualize. You got to do loads of research about the sport and that makes you a lot better at it. And that's a fact. Like, you can't deny that. That's a fact. So you get hit over the head, you go away, nobody can test you on your research. I'm pretty certain everyone with half a brain cell know that the subtext is pouring out of this podcast right now. What are you on about? <laughs> what are you on about? I'm on about researching. <laughs> <laughs> research boxing yeah. uh, and that makes you a lot better that's you, what you, I'm saying yeah, yeah, you, you, you learn yeah. to excel of course yeah <laughs> that's what I'm saying and because you go away and those tests disappear because you're researching so much oh, like when you're at school God. it makes you a lot better well done for that yeah that's all look you can't criticise someone I'm, I'm just saying well done because of his research <laughs> Into the sport. We'll probably ask this question on Tuesday when we all go up to Liverpool. Fuck, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> can we send? Can we send Joe this clip? But no, but but if you look at if you look at recent history though, um, guys who have upset the odds, someone like a Cornelius Bundridge. Research, yeah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the odds of getting out of Liverpool alive. Yeah. Say goodbye to mine, everybody. Let's see. Yeah, so guys like Bundridge. Man stabbed to death after making declaration about research. Research, right? <laughs> yeah. You were no mate. You always skipped homework. <laughs> yeah. I'm on about proper research. <laughs> Watching the greats. <laughs> yeah, but I skipped homework because I was too busy taking a steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Um, explains why you're a good researcher. Explains <laughs> <clears throat> uh, that bottle, doesn't George it? George Fairfield sent in a question on a few we have this week. 
How good were historic undercards uh, for fights like Ali and Foreman? And how has boxing changed in this respect and why? That's I've a great of, question. I've that. kind of mutated it a bit, but uh, yeah. So, Rumble in the Jungle. I don't think there was an undercard. There might have been one additional bout. But if you remember, it was the James Brown concert. So, and the problem with, I guess the problem with it was, remember they had to You're reschedule right. the bout. <laughs> yeah. yeah. my knee. <laughs> <laughs> So remember, you had the foreman injury, so they had to postpone the bout because yeah. it was a cut. So obviously... Who, you know, they all stayed there, didn't they? Yeah. Well, they weren't allowed to leave, if you remember. So <laughs> President Mobutu said, yeah, yeah, President Mobutu <laughs> said, if you leave, you're not coming back. Nope, no one's leaving. You're staying here to recover. So I don't think... There wasn't much of an undercard then because the whole closed circuit pay-per-view thing was... It was a one-off. So this is a one-off event. You didn't need anything else. And then you go to, I think it was like Sugar Ray Leonard in the early 80s when the pay-per-view, as we know it, really started. And even then you were looking at, you know, very, very small undercards. Let's look, look at the biggest one ever, Mayweather Pacquiao. Who was on the undercard? They're probably about... Lomachenko. Yeah. That, fighting a taxi driver. That, there was that. There's only, there's only three additional... Fighting the man there. who took him to the building. <laughs> Charge him too much, like we're what having this fight. <laughs> yeah, so the the whole thing then became once you started to industrialize the pay per view model, you needed people to have a reason to watch what is essentially pretty average fights, because there's only really look once every couple of years there's a seminal fight which is pay per view worthy and people genuinely want to watch. The rest of the time you're just literally trying to. You're basically just trying to shaft your customers for money. So you stack these cards and you go, right, we'll have a main event. We'll have something interesting just below. We'll get a Mexican in because that's always good. <laughs> and then we'll have a couple of filler bouts and a couple of young prospects to get people excited about, get and the hipsters excited. I've got a question for you, Andy, right? Because you're going to Joshua Klitschko, isn't you? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Like, have you seen the undercard for it? Because uh, it is awful. It's like... Scott Quigg. Oh, I think, yeah, I saw Scott Quigg as well. Uh, who's fighting? Vitriol, whatever his name is, the one that fought Lee Selby a little while back. Uh, aside from that, there's Katie Taylor, because, you know, Katie Taylor has to be everywhere. And she's cheap. Uh, Josh Kelly. He's cheap. Another Olympian. Who's cheap. Um, that's it. I think that's like all this announced for Lawrence. Oh, Lawrence Akoli, yeah. So another Olympian. Cordina's in there. Cheap. So, will you go and watch the undercard for that? Mm, probably not. Like, no. we're, we're, because we were discussing this last night on the way out that Wembley is going to look terrible like until 10 o'clock maybe yeah like Sky are going to they're going to have to cut to footage of like the Frotch Groves fight like the overheads of that you're going to see like a red bus coming down to the ring and go wait a minute like, <laughs> what's that about um, but Wembley <laughs> is going to look like visually really really bad because there's no one and I get why there's no undercard like well, because AJ said so. Yeah, because AJ wants to make a lot of money. What I don't understand is why they're bothering with one at all. Like, yeah, do we really need to see an undercard to it? No, no, not at all. I yeah, mean, have that... a Westlife concert first or something. Westlife. <laughs> well, yeah. You, you guys touched on it the other day with the whole like questioning of the need for an undercard at all, and I would suggest look, if I go to a football match, I spend less than two hours in the stadium, and if I'm from the point right. Say there's one fight. If they'd have, if they'd have had like Joshua Klitschko and then like another fight beforehand, like say it's Scott Quigg, whatever, that gives you like a warm up fight to watch and then the yep. main event. 
By the time you've got in, they've done their ring walks and then they've done... Then the you know you're going to get a 10, 15 minute video introduction to yeah. it all. And then there's all the preamble and then the fight, which I I would assume that Klitschko and Joshua's going to go a decent few rounds. You're looking... You know, you're looking at the same sort of amount of time. I don't want to be okay sat in an arena. I don't. I don't want to be sat in a in in a stadium for four hours <laughs> watching boxing, because it's. But but you see the thing about Hearn is Hearn Hearn goes. I need to get my guys seen because he's remember Eddie's looking beyond this and he's like I need people. This is the biggest audience I'm likely to get. Let me just get all the guys I'm putting money into. What they ought to be doing is letting these lads on, but don't show it on TV. So. Um, Frotch Groves at Wembley Anthony Joshua was fighting on that it gave him an experience of fighting at Wembley he beat uh, Matt Legg <laughs> I remember yeah the guy yeah, yeah from Milton in like Pins. 40 seconds or yeah. something but that was his experience to fighting at Wembley so like a few years down the line from that three years on he's now the main event at Wembley so like there's no issue with getting some of these lads out but why do we need to see it I don't care for the debuts and that of Kelly, Cordina. I don't care for another Katie Taylor fight unless it's relevant. Just show me Quig. Just show me Joshua. And I'm it, okay with it, that. It taps back into what we were discussing before, how the the mainstream promoters have just shunned the small hall circuit because that's where you'd have seen these guys. Yeah. 15 years ago, Cordina, Kelly... They would be Co- loaning them out to small hall promoters. Yeah, that's where you'd be. You'd be going all around the country, fighting in Warrington Leisure Centre, fighting in Northampton... Fighting in Yeovil, whatever you just be. Sometimes fighting. they'll be scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they won't just be in a pub. <laughs> so, so why, why, if it costs to pay people to be on an undercard, why have promoters got to the stage where they are creating massive undercards? Because it's really a cost they could avoid. They're cheap. So, so what, but why is why they're there? Um, it's business. Like, look, if I if I've got fifteen fighters, right. And I have four times a year I know I'm going to get at least a million people watching my show. I need to get my young guys over as early as possible. So it's it's, it's self... It's, it's not... It's planting the seeds. But let's go back. Oh, Joshua fought on that Frotch Grows card. Like, on the <clears> undercard <throat> of it. And granted, it was probably like four in the afternoon in front of 200 people. Well, I actually... Did we go to that fight? I no, went, I, I, it was I, a week before I got married. Oh, so, right, okay. Uh, I didn't go. I wish we went to that fight. And by the time I got there, I think we watched about two or three fights. But by the time I got there anyway, yeah, it already happened. Yeah. So, and so like, it was just to expose him a little bit and get him used yeah. to that. That's why you have these things, is that you're you're investing in those young lads at the beginning. to. So to self-serving for the promoters. Yeah. It's not because the promoters think that punters want to see it. No. Do you, the, who the fuck wants to see it? It's terrible. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It is terrible. And I don't have a problem with it being terrible necessarily. All these people kicking off about, oh, there's no undercard to it. Yeah, there isn't. It's a big fight. It's a big fight at the top. Don't buy a ticket. Don't pay for it. The example Just stream always. it yeah. because it's going to be one fight that's worth watching. Yeah. I find it incredibly frustrating when I'm watching uh, something like that sort of event and they just fight. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> you see the undercards, but like just fighter after fighter after fighter coming out and you're like, oh, just let me see them. Yeah. I mean, we're doing with the XL to watch Fury Chisora. Yeah. And there just seemed to be no end of people coming out. I don't think they took to the ring until close on midnight, did they? It was uh, Stevie Collins, Steve Collins' 
the ex middle one. Yeah. It was his son coming out like after the main event. That was the fucking icing on the cake. So the main event finished like one in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and Steve Collins making his ring walk. Madness. And 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 this is the problem we have now in boxing where it, you know, we we've created this expectation where you need a stacked undercard. Hearn should have just had the balls to go, no undercard. I agree. I'd I I'd have respected Eddie Hearn if he just said no undercard. We'll have a gig. Or or if he said, Do you know what? I want to put some amateur bouts on. Let me let, let me just give back to the real grassroots. Get a couple of amateur bouts on. Why not? You know, you know, get a couple of guys who can do something. A couple of these GB lads. Even get them cheaper. Yeah, for free. No, I agree. Because he's only going to sign them anyway. <laughs> um, I got a question. I'm going to throw it out whilst we're on this. Okay. Bear with me. From uh, my boy Brad Pools. Paul, boxer, undefeated. Sent us in a question. Friend of Linus Eudophia. <laughs> Linus, who we saw last night on our night out, like just bumped into in a nightclub. He was um, drinking water. He was drinking water there with his lovely missus. Um, he's punching well above his weight. Um, <laughs> As is Liam Smith. <laughs> uh, no, love Linus, and uh, it was a real pleasure just to bump into him last night. Uh, question from Brad Pauls. I'm going to throw it out to you two. Do you think it's a good look to fake having beef with an opponent? Even when seems unnatural and out of character, like what I think Vlad was trying to do the other day. So I don't know if you've seen this. It was some no. terrible <clears throat> tweet from uh, Klitschko to or about Joshua, uh, saying about like fighting a wannabe billionaire. And uh, who's ever fought a wannabe billionaire? I'm going to have fought one of them come like the end of April. And like it was just building up a bit of like, oh no, that's really horrible between him and Joshua, which it really didn't work. So mm-hmm. wasn't. What do you think about it? Like, as a fan, does it pique your interest more to see terrible tweets like that or does it make you just think that's come from the PR machine? Uh, I don't like it when it feels manufactured because then what's the... Because I'm not stupid. <laughs> that's what it boils down to. <laughs> like, I can see right through it. Um, if someone's just naturally like a gobshite, like Mayweather, Mayweather or... Uh, yeah, people like that. I, I, kind of, I kind of revel in their in their almost self-destructive bent that they have and, and the fact that they're putting... Not only are they getting into the ring, which is more than I've ever wanted to do, but they're willing to put almost like their entire reputation on the line by gobbing off before the fight. Everything Fury does, you know, <clears throat> is legit. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, um, dislike, whatever, it's legit. But what I quite liked about the Klitschko-AJ um, fight coming up was I felt they were both approaching it as sportsmen and they're both in a position to say right i have i have something that people want to see in this fight i'm bringing forward um a level of sportsmanship that people want of you and i don't feel the need to pad it out with all that and now they started because it's getting it's in the yeah, month in, I, what, what are they needing to promote i mean people are gonna it's watch sold it. out yeah people are going to watch people it, will buy it. it'll probably be the biggest pay-per-view event so in britain I, ever. I think the exclamation point would be after. Look, I'm not stupid, so don't don't fake it because it's very obvious. Yeah, no, no, it does nothing for me because, as I've said before, the real animosity normally starts in the amateurs. So when Yoka comes on stream and he's boxing, he'll say something about, "Yeah, I beat Joseph Parker. I can still beat him now." And Parker will be like, "All right, let's see you do it." That's legit. They're fought in the amateurs. If you go back to... Yeah, serve AJ and Vlad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say, um, 
one thing that's kind of passed us by a little bit. Well, I think there is a legit rivalry. Uh, Ward Kovalev 2 being signed. And I think that's a legit like dislike between the two. So, I, I've discussed this with the main man himself. I think certainly from Sergei's side, it's a dislike. I'd imagine Andre's probably too professional to care. Ward doesn't care. And Ward, look, Andre Ward said it perfectly in conversation. He said, if I stayed on my feet that whole fight, who wins it? And it's like, Ward comfortably. So if I stay on my feet this time, who wins it? Probably you comfortably. Now that I know I can take his shots, and I'm not scared of that power, not that I was scared to begin with, what can he do that I haven't seen before? And he was like, yeah. And I like the fact that, because I, I asked him, I said, Kovalev a harder fight than Frotch? And he was like, no. Because he said, the thing about Frotch was, Frotch never dropped off. Never. Like, he's like, mentally, Carl Frotch did not give up in that fight. And he, they, he's like, he stayed mentally strong from start to finish. He's like, I felt Kovalev weaken in that fight. And he wouldn't allude to stuff, but I assume that there's some lifestyle things, you know, so some some nose related things allegedly that are affecting Kovalev right now. I think he's falling in love with his fame and his status because as Ward researching, yeah, as as Ward quite rightly said, if you don't accept you lost this fight, how are you going to change anything? And I don't think he can change. So in June, I expect Ward to win more decisively. And the problem with Andre Ward is this: they'll just find someone else to say he's ducking. Like, he can't win. He'll beat Kovalev and they'll go, but you're ducking Artur Baturbiev. Then you're ducking Adonis Stevenson. Then you're ducking Joshua. Then you're ducking God. Like, you know, you claim to be the son of God while you're ducking him. You know what I mean? So, Ward's on a hiding to nothing. But he was always going to give this rematch. There was never any doubt. What he wanted was Kovalev to be humble and go, look, you won. I feel I could do better next time. Let's do it again. And that that's how you approach rematches. Like everyone assumes that, oh yeah, give the fans what they want. Give the fans what they want. No one gives a fuck about the fans. Because you don't give a fuck about these fighters. When's the last time someone tweeted to Frank Bruno and said, mate, miss you? No one does. When's the last time you guys tweeted to to Scott Welch, mate, miss you, or Herbie Hyde? No one does. Because once fans lose interest, they don't give a shit. So why should Ward give a shit? Ward will do what's best for him. Sergey will do what's best for him, and I don't think John David Jackson is best for Sergey Kovalev because there, there are some boxes that fans miss, though, aren't there? Who mm. Hatton, Tyson? But Tyson's never really gone away, has he? He just seems to reappear in different guises. And just one of the I having discussions with uh, lads. I uh, the lads that I know that enjoy enjoy boxing. It's always him they bring up. Oh, we used to love watching him fight. Just because <laughs> I see an interview in the other day, he was like, I don't think you can be a good boxer unless you want to go and hurt somebody in the ring. But, but it's and, true. And this is why I say to people, go and watch that London Real Derek Chisora interview. Because the way he lays out boxing in its simple Go and watch form, a full two hours, not the shit version Matt yeah, Hamilton did. Yeah, ignore it. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't. This why is, cut it up it's a brilliant yeah, piece Don't yeah cut it up. It's, it's a great interview and then watch the Nigel Ben one as well like it's it's sad isn't it that London Real are doing better boxing content than 
any boxing platform. I'm not taking shots at anyone. Including us. Yeah. We've never done a, <laughs> we have, we have it. We've never done a two hour sit down and made Nigel Ben I cry. I think you can call this boxing content. Not today. <laughs> nah, it's just it's just life, man. We just we just literally purging the, the, the alcohol from the system. Um Mark Cuban asks, and I should have brought this up earlier, but I'm hungover, so whatever. Um after the Lomachenko fight where he hardly got hit, who can beat this guy? Javonta Davis, Flanagan, God. Well, well, look, you know, everyone can get touched. This is the same stuff we heard about Pacquiao. Do you remember that? When he was just running through people, because people were like, oh, no one can do anything to this Manny Pacquiao guy. If you can box and you can solve problems in the ring, it's easy. Do you not... Don't people think Bob Arum is carefully selecting opponents? So, uh, illustrate my point. Who does Jason Sosa train with? Tevin Farmer. What weight is Tevin Farmer? 130 pounds. Who's the better technician out of Jason Sosa and Tevin Farmer? Tevin Farmer. And Farmer would have done the fight for less money and they were like, no. Why? Because he's a technician too and he can move. Everyone that Lomachenko looks good against is the only people who don't move. He'll struggle against a mover in the same way all boxers do because you can't hit what you can't see. It's that simple. I do think Lomachenko will beat every super featherweight either. I, I don't see any of them beating him. See, I do because he's not that physically strong. And I was watching Sosa and what, Sosa just looked bewildered at the pace that Lomachenko works at. So what do you do? You train and you go, right, if he's making 240 effective moves around, I'm going up to 300. Even if it kills me in camp, I'm going up to 300. And then I'm going to say to him, for every move you make, I'm matching. But surely people have done that. Like, it would be naive to think they haven't. And then when they've got in there, it's just not I don't think, I don't think anyone's tried. So Walters went in there thinking he was going to bomb Lomachenko <laughs> out. <laughs> Who did Spencer Fear on picking that fight? I can't remember. The white guy. No, no. Oh, oh no, he's never no, picked a white guy no. in his life to win a fight. Uh, oh, yeah. Honestly, man. I hate this conversation. No, I'm not even bullshitting, right? If you picked Tyson Fury versus Kell Brook, he'd give you ten reasons why Kell Brook wins that fight. <laughs> I'm not bullshitting. It's true. But, so, so I don't think Lomachenko's unbeatable. He got beaten by Salida. Salida's not anything special. He just went, you know what? Nah, he was still learning. But but a lot of the stuff that he does now, he did then. All Salida did is say, well, on this inside thing, I'm just going to throw you around, bully you. And no one's tried that since. Everyone's been like, well, you know. Lomachenko listened to Richie Woodall since then. He's planted his feet. <laughs> his, uh... <laughs> but but I, to be honest, I like Lomachenko and I like the way he boxes because it's it's something different to look at, which is always good. But I'm not of that opinion that people are unbeatable because everyone can get caught and he can get caught and someone just needs to go do you know what let me just go nuts out like Kell Brook did against Golovkin just let me go nuts out <laughs> Don't if it doesn't work <laughs> yeah if it doesn't work after three rounds take one on the chin go over go home yeah take one on the chin with your nuts out <laughs> right. what I don't know <laughs> sounded better in my what? head <laughs> But I love the fact that there's going to be no edits in this. Go, I go, love the regrets, though. Yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, that's go true. Going with the theme, I'm not going to edit anything. Right, is that it? Are we finished? No. Well, where would you want to No. Go? How good did Tyson Fury look in that interview? What, the one before the Terry Flanagan? Yes. Yeah, in the shirt. He looked, What a shirt. 
For the re- he's a style icon. That, that that matches the the fur coat he had. He's oh, levels. Oh, <laughs> levels. Uh, it was Thursday, Friday. Um, yeah, just talking about Terry Flanagan, Yui Fury himself. I just the thing is, I love Tyson because he gets boxing. Every interview he gives, people go, "Oh, he's just being needlessly, you know, controversial." But everything he says is grounded in reason. <laughs> you know what did he say? What I warned you when I left. You'd be filled. With, boxing would just go back to being boring again. What have you got now? He's got these clones, and he was right. Look, look how corporate the heavyweights are again. You know, Fury arrived, caused, but but it's all the people who are easily offended that ruined that. Oh my God, Tyson Fury said something I don't agree with. Don't let him be successful. Don't let him be rich. Take his belts off him. Embarrassing. It's completely embarrassing. Agree. Um, what else has happened in that I haven't really touched on? Uh, I'm up in Liverpool Tuesday. Boxing related. Can't reveal though. Keep a keen eye out. Just not coming back. He's going to get beaten up. That's a very real possibility. Uh, <laughs> I'll be coming. And it's all your own fault. I'll be making that final Princess Diana journey. <laughs> Danny M1. In the Mersey Tunnel. <laughs> sake. There'll be people throwing roses off the M1. There he goes. There's bricks. Bricks. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we haven't discussed Usk, have we? Like, you know, I haven't seen it. Ah, yeah, so he fights the guy, Michael Hunter, who no one really knew who the hell Hunter was, made very heavy work of it. You imagine Bellion Caldwell are watching that going, don't think this Usk guy's as great as people thought. Might be a good time to fight him. Clean up in the cruiserweight, you know, then just go, right, I'll fight a heavyweight now. So, I was disappointed in his performance. He tries to be a bigger version of Lomachenko. You can see yeah. that they train in the same camp. I think, um, what, what's the guy's name? Their manager, who, who seems to have them all in the same camp. All these Ukrainians are there together training. Um, I always get worried when groups of people of the same nationality are together. I always imagine that there's a lot of research happening. <laughs> They're very good researchers, probably. Yeah, well, they have a leg. Are we christening this research now? Christening what research? I'm talking about looking into the background of the sport and the history. Yeah. I don't know what you're even on about. Yeah, just just the things that work, the things that can help you become a better boxer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Enhanced performance. It in gives you that extra twenty percent. Things that can help you excel, like you're saying. Yeah, it gives, yeah. You, it gives you that extra. We, we can't we, I, look. I, that's what makes you a world champion. Boxers are meant to excel. That's what they should aspire to. Aspire yeah. to excel. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah, so so <laughs> so I caught up with that card. Um, what else is happening? Uh, nothing. Flat fight you coming out. It's the best fight we've got coming up in the next couple of weeks. Best fight coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, there's a Liverpool card with Rocky Fielding. I'm sure he's floating around somewhere. There's Rocky Fielding versus John Ryder. There's um, there's the Warren card on the 22nd. Yeah. Shouts out to Daryl Williams fighting for the English title. Good to have him back. He's got job in smile, isn't he? Yeah. Good Daryl. Good fight up. Good friend. Daryl is quite possibly the scariest guy I know. <laughs> he is the modern day incarnation of Nigel Ben. But Jarmain smiles a unit of a man. Won't bother Daryl. Like like honestly, you could have you could have a you could have a fucking rhinoceros in the ring. <laughs> Daryl will fight you like I've never met someone who, when you sit down and talk to Daryl, you wouldn't even think he was a boxer. You just sat there, yeah, he's probably just a guy who potters around and does something. And you have a laugh and a joke with him. He's a really, really good guy. And Does he turn it on? Once he's in the ring, 
like I was talking to his coach, Eddie Lamb, and Eddie was like, do you know what? There's certain times when he's sparring and you're like, ah, oh, I don't know if I can rein him in. Which which is good because I think he's channeling it a lot more. And I think there was a time, I, I don't know who it was. I think it was someone like, <laughs> I think it was Leon McKenzie. They were, they were at a show and Leon McKenzie said something like, he might just tapped him on the head or the shoulder. He's like, don't do that, son. And you could see in Daryl's eyes, it was like, we'll do it now. We will honestly fight now. And you just take that little step back, just go, you know what? I don't know if I want to get caught in the middle of this. But that'll be interesting. Hopefully he wins the English, starts sniffing around the British, because I know he's still after Chris Eubank Jr. That's the fight he really, really wants. There's Ricky Burns versus Ndongo for their fake world title. Uh, Give Ndongo credit, man. Out of nowhere, he came up with that knockout to win the title. Great. But, you know, Hearn's just ducking the reality. Like, look. yeah. What's the point in having a world title and then just ignoring everybody who's world class and pissing about? Because Terence Crawford obliterates Burns again. And yep. so instead of even like talking about a fight, you just ignore the fact you're in the same weight division as Terence Crawford. Because if you if you acknowledge Terence Crawford, you acknowledge Ricky Burns isn't a world champion. Yes. It's just a belt holder. Or even just give Theophane the fight. I think Theophane will oh, give Burns trouble. Theophane will deserve it. Fuck Theophane. Ah, I like Ashley. I don't mind Ashley, but he doesn't deserve that fight, and it pisses me off when he talks about it. Go and earn that fight, and then take it. <laughs> Honestly, like, what's he done to deserve it apart from losing to Broner? Don't even know why he got that fight. Why does the Burns fight Broner? Yeah, do that. That's a great fight. That'd but be... no, I, I don't want to see Fearfane get that fight unless he earns it. Come and beat some of the British lads at that weight. Come and fight Hara Davis. If you beat Hara Davis, fight Ricky Burns. I understand why he does. Um, so suppose so no, Ashley address. He goes, yeah, I like that. He goes, look, I love Ahara. Ahara is on his way up, and I wish him all the best. But at this stage of my career, I can't be looking at those sorts of fights. I get that, but what stage of his career? Because he hasn't got a legitimate win. But he's in the money team. You know, that's it. <laughs> that's it, isn't it? My you name don't... is Floyd. My name is Money. My you don't need legitimate wins if you hang with Floyd. Weather. Um, look. I like Ashley. It's nothing personal against Ashley at all. He just doesn't deserve a world title fight. Same as Ricky Burns doesn't deserve a world title. But I think at 140, it's a dearth of talent because a lot of the guys are tweeners, aren't they? They're not quite welters. They're not quite light welters. And so they're not going to fight for belts. They're just going to fight each other. And we all know Terence Crawford smashes every one of them. And so the moment he's acknowledged is to just take out the rest of that division. Yeah, but then Ar- fact. Aram's not even positioning him because now it's like Crawford, why don't you fight Pacquiao? Him up. <laughs> Aram's lost the plot. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to think boxing wise. Andy, what's been happening? Come on, Andy. Why are you asking me? You two are the experts. No, I'm not. I'm hungover. Plus, I'm I- also hungover and tired as well. Yeah. So just addressing some stuff. Listen, anyone that's not calling George Foreman the second greatest heavyweight of all time, screw you. Okay. <laughs> Shut up with shut up yeah. with the Larry Holmes nonsense. Who's the same guy? Just everyone. I got bored of reading this. Like uh-huh. like Larry Holmes, this Larry Holmes. Like, who the hell did Larry Holmes beat? Where we're like, oh my god, this guy's great. Nobody. Yeah. I, I just want to put that one to bed once and for all. Do not put Larry Holmes in your top five, and definitely don't put him in above Lennox Lewis. Whatever you do in your life. See, even when we're hungover, you still can't avoid a bollocking, can you? No, I can't. Listener. Dear sweet listener. You thought you got away with it. Yeah, you thought you got away with it. You, you didn't. In your face. Also, big shout out to Sam Smith. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
you know, let, let, let's touch on something positive. We try our very hardest to, to just piss people off and stop them from listening, clearly. No. In your face. But, but let's touch on something positive. Shout out to Sam Smith. All right. Um, I know we've given women's boxing a bit of a kicking, but like Sam Smith, she's been a road warrior for a while. You know, Exciting and, stuff happening for her. And we're hoping she gets that platform to, to showcase, actually what women's professional boxing is. It's not this whole matchroom fairy tale they're trying to concoct. It's a lady fighting in Huddersfield, a lady fighting in Blackburn, fighting where she needs to fight to to get where she needs to get to. Um, like the fact that she's got her gym and she does her training, doing a lot of stuff for women's boxing in Leeds. I met a few of the female boxers that she works with, ultra enthusiastic. So I like to see that. That's what I like to see in the sport, you know, positive female role models. Because... You know, I was I was up in Leeds and I did the numbers and I said, let's just assume she trains 30 women. Probably sell tickets to 30 of those. Um, she'll plug into the LGBT community. I don't think that's... I think that's a, probably a... That's public knowledge now. She puts it on Facebook, so I imagine it's known. What well, it is now. <laughs> Apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not editing, so... Yep. Um, yeah, so... so, so <laughs> fucking hell. So, so, no, no, but... <laughs> But you've got that market, but then you've also got the market of guys who genuinely respect a woman who's tough and can have a fight. So she's she's a ticket seller. And I can imagine her, if she ever did fight in London, I can imagine her bringing a couple of coach loads down. And then, you know, and that's what I like to see. I like to see someone who's built a following. It's not manufactured. It's not hype. This is someone who's built a following from being involved in the sport. And I respect that. Yeah, okay. Um, do you do you have anything else to add? No, I mean, I can't believe no. we've squeezed an at plus an hour of blood mate, out of this stone. Mate, it's bedtime. Okay, um, that's real. Well, to be honest, at the beginning of this podcast, Martin was talking about doing it for half an hour, so you've got double and more you from need to what pay we twice. expected. Yeah, so yeah, we, listen, we might go on Patreon, start you know doing some little exclusives. Doing <laughs> what? Pay for our exclusives? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, we'll put it out there. Who will pay? Hey, who will sponsor us, guys? <clears throat> who will sponsor, you know, the exclusive content? You know, product reviews, live product reviews. Live product. Have you got your ammo gloves yet? Uh, post office. I haven't been to the post office yet. Bullshit. They all be hand delivering them to you. I'm not having this. No, 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 no. It's understand. I've, I've been Three away. weeks now. This is week no, three no, no. we've been talking about <laughs> ammo gloves. You've still not got them. But sponsorship opportunities... <laughs> And this is why no one sponsors us because I just fuck them off. Yeah. Patreon, Look. Patreon, you can pay to watch Terry go to the post office to pick up random free you, gifts you that only us, he gets. You can pay us not to fuck your, uh, your product off. No, no, oh, I see what. what Restaurants, can, anyone with re- anything. <laughs> Terry, can we get sponsors? Terry can get the sponsorships and then pe- depending on how many Patreon people we get, we can sabotage the sponsorships. Yeah. Like, Listen, set his gloves on property fire. Property developers, promoters. enough sponsors. <laughs> Dentists. <laughs> Dentists? Lingerie manufacturers. The day that Get involved. Tell a friend to tell a friend to sponsor us. T- uh, Terry turns up with brand new veneers and a fucking uh, yeah. bikini on. <laughs> like, uh, Men enhancement Terry. pills will endorse new us age too. New boxing lingerie. In a crate. <laughs> All that sort of stuff. Man. Like we can, we, we'll, I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to commercialise so we can give you this content daily. <laughs> 
yeah. daily. Oh, yeah, they're daily. gagging for that. My wife's they? left the country, they so she not have to deal with me daily. They are gagging for that. They're like that. Wow, this stuff isn't even really good enough to pay for on a weekly basis. <laughs> I hope we can pay for it on a daily basis. Yeah. Also, shout out to the people who recognise my voice and identify me just by my voice. All right. They forever remain nameless, but they know who they are. Hope they're listening to this one. It's a good one. <laughs> Right. Do you know someone can't talk, but we're just looking at <laughs> We all know. We know. We know. We know what she does. We know. We know. Who can tell me? It's all about five acres and a horse. Nice. Shin, shinny, shin, shin. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, Are we ending this yeah. now? Yeah. Pete, have your misery. Next week will be better. Promise. Please. Come on, worse. Beat it up, 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 beat it up